0: One of the uh, prophetic promises of the church is the promise of outflow into the community. The promise that the goodness of God is going to percolate out through a people. That we're going to be a people who carry the presence of God everywhere we go. Into supermarkets, into our workplace, in, into bus stops and trains and everywhere we go. That actually we're going to be percolating out the goodness of God Everywhere we go. You might be grappling with the question, how does outflow actually happen? You might be the only Christian in your family and you might be thinking, how do I bring the outflow of God's goodness and percolate the presence of God and and percolate transformation into maybe just my family unit? You might be working in a hostile environment in which... Uh, There's gossip or there's um, bullying or there's difficulties or challenges and you're thinking, how do I bring transformation to that? How does heaven invade this place through me? We might be asking that as a local community. We're surrounded by about 130,000 people that God has given us along with other churches responsibility for getting the good news out to, to percolating out to the thousands around us and to nations. We've got huge calls on our life and we might be asking, how actually does that happen? How does transformation happen? How does the gospel grow and go forward? How's it going to happen in my family? How's it going to happen in my workplace? How's it going to happen in the supermarket? And so we can kind of lock horns with this thing and think, how's it going to happen? Is it by us just trying a little harder?" We might think the answer is we're just not trying hard enough. That if we just gritted our teeth and got whiter knuckles, then we could get the job done. That maybe we could even come to the conclusion, if I could just get my act together, if I could be a better believer, then my husband or my wife or my children would come to know Jesus. If I could just get it together, try harder, do something better. And... uh, I'm not opposed to training, I'm not opposed to uh, evangelistic training or or, or training on how to get outflow. There's nothing wrong with training, but sometimes we're so focused in on how to do it better, we put this burden on our back um, that we've got to do better, try harder, to cause the gospel to bear fruit and grow. And in Colossians, we find the Apostle Paul talking about this church that he's heard about their faith and love, and he's heard about the gospel, the good news about Jesus growing in them and growing around them and filling the whole world and going everywhere. So I want to unpack exactly how that was happening. So in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3, we read, uh, we read these words. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and truly understood God's grace. Yeah. Love that phrase. It's bearing fruit and it's growing throughout the whole world. Jesus hasn't gone out of fashion. Amen. The gospel is not good news for those who are stuck in their ways who are uninformed that we're all much more sophisticated now than we used to be Paul says the gospel is growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace The gospel is exploding right now around the world. Amen. Whole nations are being impacted by the reality that Jesus Christ is alive. Mm. One of my favourite missionary stories is Heidi Baker in Mozambique who enters a village and says... Bring me the deaf. And then the deaf, the blind get healed. Now she says, I'm going to tell you about the one who healed you. I'm going to tell you about the one who freed you. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And he's the same in South East London. He's the same for Northern Europe. He's the same for the whole of Europe. And so if we conclude that the gospel is still good news today and it hasn't gone out of fashion and it's bearing fruit and growing in huge portions of the world it then brings us all the way back to that first question of grappling and wrestling and locking horns how's it going to happen here? How's it going to break into our area, into our communities in such a transforming way? And there's this phrase here in these verses where Paul says, faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven about which you've already heard in the message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. He's saying that these active agents of faith, this active agent of love is springing from something, that these believers have tapped into a fountain that just keeps flowing, and as they are tapped into this fountain called hope, the thing that's springing from it is faith and love. Faith, choosing to agree with God, whatever you see. Love, things like patience and kindness and rejoicing and enduring. Love for all the saints. Love for the community. So Paul is saying, I've heard about it, that this hope that you've tapped into has caused me to hear about it, it's visible, it's recognisable, it's doing something, it's affected you, it's affected your love for the church, and it's affected your love for the community, and now this gospel is bearing fruit and growing through the whole world. And could we say that it's all coming back to, they've tapped into the fountain, called hope. But the good news is getting larger and the good news is getting stronger as people have, as it were, drilled into this resource called hope. And that what's springing out and manifesting there is faith and love. And so in answer to the question, it's not about trying harder. It's not about doing something better. It's not about having white knuckles and gritted teeth. dare I say this, you have permission to never ever tell anybody about Jesus. You are completely off the hook. (coughs) But if you get hope, You'll get faith, and you'll get love, and you won't be able to stop it. Amen. Amen. I don't want you to try harder. I'm not interested in gritted teeth and white knuckles. I'm not interested in feeling guilty. Amen. Didn't share the gospel, Mister. I don't. We don't care about creating a culture of guilt. Hmm. You're off the hook. You, you keep him to yourself. But if you get hope, faith and love will spring from it. And something unstoppable will fill this area. Gotta get someone says the monkey off your back chittering and chattering. Didn't do it well enough, didn't say what I should have said, didn't grab the opportunity, wasn't as bold as I could have been, didn't go as far as I wish I had. Get it off. God's not interested. He doesn't motivate that way. It's not God. So if we lack overflow, the solution is always hope. And what is hope? It's the confident expectation that good is coming. We live in a world characterized by hopelessness. It's not going to change it's not going to get better, things are going downhill, it's just getting more violent, there are more troubles, more problems, more poverty, more sickness, and there's no solutions. Chuck a person of hope into that. Genuine hope. Not coming up with the right answer, but a person who has confident expectation because they've been arrested by another reality. Because they've been with one who has all hope. The God of all hope. Mm. Faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. And hope isn't just about when I die. It's not just about right down here. There's not much going on and it's not that good. And But one day... In the by and by, there's a hope stored for me. I've got a hope. And so I'm just going to try and get through with the skin of my teeth. And and one day I'm going to escape this place and come to the place where it's hope. And where there's full of hope. You don't have to postpone hope to another day. (laughs) there's actually hope for you today. Mm -hmm. Because escapism does this to the church. It says one day you're going to get off this (coughs) rock and you're going to be with God and it will all be okay. But right now just keep yourself to yourself and huddle in your bunker because if you ever come out of your bunker, you might be contaminated by the dark, dirty world out there, and then maybe you won't make it, and you won't escape to the place of hope. And Paul is saying this message is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Yeah. The hope grows in the heart, and then it springs out into faith and love. Yes. Come on. So how do I get home? I've got to get with the one who's the God of all hope. I've got to get to a place where the perspective of God and the perspective of heaven becomes my perspective. It's the God of all hope. You have permission to be hopeless about any situation that God is hopeless about. If you can come to God and say, X, Y, and Z is going on in my life. And he says, I know I'm the God of all hope, but I think you've just brought up to me the very thing that I'm hopeless about. It's never going to happen. He's never, ever hopeless about anything. He's never hopeless about any situation. Yeah. He's not hopeless about any nation. He's not hopeless about any local church. He's not hopeful hopeless about any individual individual. He is always the God of hope. And when you get into his presence... And you get around him, he'll speak his hope to you. He is full of hope about you. He is so full of hope about you. He's not hopeless about you at all. So hope is a person. Hope springs up in the enjoyment of God. The good news, the gospel is a person. It's the good news about who he is. It's the good news about his nature. It's the good news about he always wanted us. It's the good news about a good father who brings us home. It's the good news about a God who, like in Luke 15 with the prodigal son, sees us coming back after squandering and foolishness and welcomes us back. It's the good news as well about the elder brother of Luke 15 who's religious and uptight and says he's always slaved and says, no, you're always with me and all I have is yours. It's the good news for the person who finds themselves in the deep, dark despair of sin and it's the good news for the person who finds himself in the deep, dark despair of religion and trying to do it well. That's the good news of our God. That's the good news of the Gospel. He is a person you can know. He's a person who we can know so deeply that we can say, I just can't get enough of your love. I've got to be with you. I've got to feel your touch. I've got to open the Bible and feel it burn. I've got to see these words jump off the page and know they're a love letter to me. It's the good news of the gospel. Do not settle for formulaic religion, treadmill Christianity, trying and striving to become who you already are, as I read in a quote this week. You're already the beloved. What the gospel brings you into. Makes you a clean son, saint, beloved. It's the enjoyment of God. It's not even an emotion that's worked up. It's a reality, a a reality that comes to us. Objective truth that comes to us. That we experience and enjoy on a subjective level. It, but it starts as an objective reality. He's the God of all hope. He's who he is. He's the God who can come to an Abraham and a Sarah and say, you will have... The stars will become your offspring. There will Your offspring will be more numerous than the stars. More numerous than the grains of sand on the beach. He's the God who can have such hope and such power... That he can speak into an impossible situation of this couple. He's nearly dead, Abraham. Her womb is as good as dead. And God says, No, you're going to have a son. It's going to come across. You're going to receive it by grace. It's not going to be something you worked for. In hope, against all hope, Abraham believed God. Considering him is it faithful, is he able to do what he had promised? Is the God who can lead Israel out of Egypt and bring them to the Red Sea, with Egypt chasing after them to pursue them, to bring them in. There's no way forward and there's no way back. And God says to Moses, why are you calling out to me for? He raises his staff, he makes a way where there is no way. And the Red Sea parts and they walk through as if it's on dry land. He's the God of Jericho, where Joshua is faced to a city walled up to heaven, fortified. And God says, march around it for seven days, don't talk. It was the last time you chatted amongst yourself. We had to walk around the desert for 40 years, so no talking. Keep it to yourself, any unbelief. Walk around, then you blow your trumpets and then the city came down. It's the God of David, who faces Goliath with just a slingshot. With just what he has. He's learned to do this against the lion and the bear. Now he's faced with this tall, seven foot odd man who is mocking the people of God. And David says, Your head is coming off. Why? Because he's been around the God of all hope. He knows there's a way. He's the God of Ezekiel. When Ezekiel walks into the valley of dry bones, and and, and God says, Can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, Only you know, Lord, and then God says, No, you speak to the bones. You speak to the bones, you prophesy to the bones. Mm. He says, Breath of the breath of God. He prophesies, he speaks, and they come together. See, somebody has to have hope. Somebody has to have hope in a community. Somebody has to be around the God of all hope that faith and love might spring from hope. Somebody has to. And it's not going to be, we love government and we love authorities and we love what the council do, we love that. But it's the church that has the hope. We are the hope of the world and other believers are the hope of the world. And if we're hopeless, if we're hopeless, a whole generation will go by with no answer. Because the gospel goes forward and fruits and grows throughout the whole world. Because it springs from a people who have heard a message and believed it. Who have got faith and love springing from hope. <coughs> we have to go to war on hopelessness. Amen. Not, not just because it destroys us and our own personal enjoyment of God. But we owe it to the world to be those who, when they meet us, they have an encounter with the God of all hope. That they look into our eyes and they see that we believe it. Right. They've got to look into our eyes and not just see we have the right answers. That's right. That we've been around somebody who's filled us with hope. So that when we go up to the people in the street and say, I know Jesus, he can heal that. They look into our eyes and they're confronted with a person who has unreasonable optimism. Hmm. And then they look into us and think, I don't get you. Either you're mental or crazy or you are honestly telling the truth. That's what the community, the world is waiting for church who have been around him yeah. Just can't get enough of your love Amen. I'm so in love I'm so personally known by you Amen. this wow. Red Sea these dry bones this Goliath this Jericho yeah. this Christ in the tomb risen now has a solution to absolutely everything it's an optimistic mindset based on the God of all hope. That there is no problem bigger than God. Yeah. And there's always something to look forward to. Remember when I... I found, I'm not sure which birthday it was. I think it was my 11th birthday. And my is just after Christmas. And the day was finished. And we'd just gone to the cinema, which I always do on my birthday if I can And my mum said, you have a good birthday? I said, yeah. And I I was looking sad. She said, what's wrong? There's nothing else to look forward to. Looked forward to Christmas. Had the birthday. Nothing more to look forward to. But with him, you get a taste. And then there's more. And then there's more. And then there's more. And you climb one mountain and you think, wow, God, we've climbed that mountain together. And he says, oh, did you not see there's a range of other possibilities and opportunities? There was always something to look forward to. Not just the one day we're going to be with him face to face and see him as he is. But the now, by faith, beholding him. Maybe for a glass dimly. Maybe also so frustratingly. When you're with him and then you step back and want that to experience to go with you. I guess there's more and more, that can go with us more and more. But there's always a sense here that we want more. And there's always something to look forward to. And so hope, in conclusion, hope is not the result of favourable circumstances. Hope is the sword that brings transformation to circumstances. So we don't postpone hope until we see we by faith faith by faith we behold already what hope ignites in our heart. <coughs> Someone said that the person with the most hope has the most influence. (coughs) You don't even need to be wrapping it up spiritually. You're a teacher and there's someone in the class who is disruptive. Hope begins to see there's a way. Prophesy, you do that, Fiona. You're bringing that. It's changing people's (coughs) attitudes and perspectives on children who seem hopeless and never going to go anywhere and you've got hope and it's changing destinies because you're believing something about those children that other people are not seeing and it's changing because hope hope sets the temperature hope is not a thermometer that just says oh no one's interested in Jesus hope is the thermostat that says no we're putting the temperature right up to 30 because Jesus is the hope of nations Everybody wants a saviour like Jesus. I met him when I was 18. Never regret it. Never regret it. Never known anybody who's met Jesus and said, I wish you'd not told me about him. I've never met that person. I've never met a person who's met Jesus and says, Oh, that was the worst day of my life. I wish you'd never told me about him. Mm. faith hope sees it sees it sees what god sees how he views a whole region how he views the fountains how he views the local church hope brings us into alignment with the perspective of god and how heaven views things indeed how we should view things as those seated with christ in heavenly places Our calling is to align with his reality. To align with what's invisible. To say by faith, I surrender to your perspective. I surrender to your outlook. I surrender to what you see. We may not see the hundreds yet coming to Jesus, but hope sees them. Because hope sees an army of men and women who are burning with hope going all the way to every part of the world, every part of the city, and bringing transformation.